Wasn't William Conrad the guy that voiced the intro to that? Manimal. Uh, probably. Jeez, Bill, was that you? That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I thought I sounded more like Seth MacFarlane doing William Conrad when I just did that. I think every now and then I'm going to take that clip and just drop it in when we have like a, a pause. Manimal. Manimal. <laughs> anyway. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're startling officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. I say, welcome to Listen to The Prophets. I'm Paul Spataro, and I'm joined by Sir Andrew Leyland. Hello! Dr. Bill Hi. Robinson. Oi! And J. David Wheater. Why did you turn into the Crypt Keeper? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't maintain it for long. I, it, it's, well, that's it what starts, we've heard about you. <laughs> it starts good with I say, and then it starts to fade. <laughs> I say. So, you are uh, fading? Yeah, it's uh, Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast, and those are the guys who are with me. And today we are covering another great episode, but before we do that, any Star Trek news, old boys? Uh, no. <laughs> By the no. time this goes out, Discovery will have ended. Section 31 may have started filming. Picard will have started filming. That's that's pretty much where we're at, I suppose. Well, it's a crisp fall day. No, by the time this comes out, we would have already had our Star Trek Discovery Season 2 episode. <laughs> yes. I can't imagine that Bill and I were terribly positive. Because mm. <laughs> Bill, Bill and I talk about it every week, which we can't include you two in the conversation because you don't watch it every week. You're waiting to binge it. Well, I as, as I said, you know, due to time travel, I'm trying to do my rewatch of Game of Thrones, which is keeping me very, very busy and keeping me from watching other things right now. But I, once once Game of Thrones is actually actively airing its final season, I will get to watch my uh, Discovery and, and get caught up and be ready to just talk away with you guys. Okay, okay. Well, that's it, then. That's it. Okay. We're full kind of, of life. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know if we talked about this last time or if we've talked about it on Facebook, is the rest of the uh, shows going over to C's to you, Andy? Uh, nothing's been announced yet, but I can't yeah, imagine it won't go on Netflix. Right, I was hearing that only Discovery is going on Netflix, so the rest of them... Well, they said, be... that the, they said that the mini-episodes weren't coming to Netflix, and then they did. They, they all dropped just before Season 2 arrived, and it's been moderately successful around the world for Netflix and ripped in the cash for CBS. So mm. I can't see them not doing that, because this shit's expensive. So they need to recoup their losses, and they're not going to launch CBS all-action around the rest of the world because it just Wait, doesn't are have you, the cash there. Are, are you saying they're losing money on this? <laughs> no, they didn't lose oh. money on it because it, they you. made money before it even started erring with the first season because of the overseas distribution deals. 
So mm. everything that made after that was profit. So all those people are some telling you that it's losing money are talking out of their ass. The second season, I'm not there's not been any figures released yet, but I know Netflix didn't pump as much money into the budget this year as they did last year, but they maintain worldwide distribution rights. So that can't be bad in terms of pocketing the money for CBS. And unlike what a lot of people are saying, they would not renew this thing for a third season if it was losing them a shit ton of money. Mm, True. So I can't imagine it not going to Netflix because they have got no other way of legally distributing it around the rest of the money, around the rest of the world, sorry. And that would essentially be just cutting their own throat. Because at that point, everyone would just go, all right, I'll download it for free, which isn't difficult nowadays. But if it's on Netflix you'll watch it on Netflix because it's much easier. It just makes more sense for them to keep that deal in place. Making sense doesn't always dictate what people do. No, it's true, but why would they stop doing something that has proved to be lucrative for them so far unless they had something else? Because we've never seen that happen before. No, but the argument is they would launch their own thing, but they haven't got enough of interest to the rest of the world for the rest of the world to be interested in buying their own thing. Because I'm I'm sure I've read that the new Twilight Zone's coming to Netflix. For so you, that, but not for yeah. us. No, not for you. So I presume that this implies that CBS and Netflix have a you you wash my back, I'll wash yours kind of deal. I think I'm going to move to England just to watch TV shows. <laughs> well, since I won't think of this question when we um, do our Discovery episode, unless Dave edits it out now and moves it there. <laughs> um so since there was less money pumped in by Netflix, would you say, I would say, that that shows in the production value of this season versus last season in the amount of crazy special effects that, uh, like a lot of, there's a lot of ship battles and things last season as compared to this one. Yeah, I think, like, I mean, like, it's still, I mean, it's still, it's all right. I mean, and the effects are okay, but they're not as uh, effects heavy, I guess you could say, which no, is where a lot of the money is going to come from. Yeah, that's where a lot of the money was pumped into. And I, I think you do kind of... I think it's more shown in the fact that a lot more episodes have took place on Discovery this year. Mm. There's a lot more bottle shows than See, there I got the impression, and, I, and you have to take this for what it's worth, because I haven't... I've only watched the first episode of the season. Uh, but I got the impression from what I've read about the season that they were really trying to make an, an effort to make it more similar to the original series than the storyline and, and tone that we got last season. Well, if that's the case, they failed objectively. <laughs> okay. Uh, in that, terms from of look, reading about it, that's the impression I got. It, it doesn't look at all like the original. It looks straight out of the J.J. Abrams playbook. There's a lot more episodes set, like we say, on Discovery rather than out and about like they were last season. I mean, it still looks great, don't get me wrong. It's still got a, a cinematic look to it, as you would expect now from these kind of shows. But it's, it isn't as expansive as it was last year. And there's, there's too much lens flow this year. There's far more than there was last year. There's far more of it across the screen. And I'm always thinking, is that hiding deficiencies in the sets or the lighting or whatever? What, why are they doing that? Why are they oh, distracting but, my eye with that? Yeah, but oh, the, the 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 power and gravitas that Rebecca Romaine brought to her her three second <laughs> the way she ate that lunch, man, that deserves an Emmy. Jerry O'Connell is a lucky man. Yeah, he is. But anyway, we'll we'll do an episode about the second season of Discovery when you two have watched it, which you'll probably hear before this episode. <laughs> probably you will you will have already heard that was episode about the second season of Discovery. <laughs> 
So listen ahead and then listen back. Uh, all, all I will say is... Which I that kind of explains be, season two. Well, it anyway. could, yeah. I could not be less interested in a Georgiou-led Section 31 show. That's not I promising. I, I think they've taken the teeth out of her, but I don't know. Well, yeah, anyway. I just, I just right. could not be any less interested in that than I am after the second season of Discovery. So you're saying she's like a bumble who met Yukon Cornelius? Yes. That, yeah. that, those words that you just said that made no sense to me, I agree entirely. That's Rudolph, man. I don't know anything about that. Rudolph, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you ever seen the... Is anyway. this a ranking bass thing? Yes. Yes, it is. We, we, we don't get that shit. Oh, well, no, shut, that's not You shit. shut that's, your that's mouth. classic. <laughs> I will cut on a plane and come over there and punch you right in the face. Can I come on a plane, Whoa. punch him in the face, and get right back on a plane and come home? I've, I've learned a valuable lesson. Do not disrank in bass. Oh, no, you can, you can disrank in bass. Just don't dis that particular one. Just that never one. Seen. The rest of them, eh. Oh, all right. Never, never even seen I don't know. Those Easter specials were No, 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 no. I'm with Andy on that. <laughs> I've never seen them either. They may be masterpieces of animation for all I know. Or, or they're, they're Lord of the Rings uh, ad- adaptations. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, well, no, I'm sure you think I'm joking on that, but that's real. No, no, the Lord of the Rings adaptation that just stops. They, they, they run uh, out of money. No, well, that one is the Ralph Bakshi, which is coming up on Is It Yours? Oh, but, right. uh, they did. They did an adaptation of The Hobbit, and then after the Ralph Bakshi version, they picked up where it left off and did Return of the King. Okay. And they're terrible, with the main voice being Orson Bean. Could have been Terry oh. Thomas. I don't think yeah, Terry Thomas was in those. It, it would have brought it up a level, though. Listen, listen, but John. today... Oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, today we not a regular <laughs> Deep Space Nine, Season 6, Episode 4, Behind the Lines. Face to face with the enemy. You belong with your own car. Will Odo betray the Federation? You just handed the Alpha Quadrant to the Dominion. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine... Directed by LeVar Burton, written by Echevarria, and it is the guest cast is Jeffrey Combs, Mark Alamo, Max Grudenchik, Aaron Eisenberg, Casey Biggs, Barry Jenner, and Salome Jens. And all I can think of after watching this episode was, uh, here's your fruit. But you're jumping way ahead. (laughs) Huh? You're jumping way ahead. Yeah, I know. But I just wanted to mention that while I remembered it. Hey, LeVar Burton. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. Or he was Jordy. Which, wherever. (laughs) Or he was Kuta Kinte. Yes. Yes. That's, uh, you know, I'm not getting into my synopsis yet because I remember when Next Generation was starting, he was like the name actor that I knew because he was in Roots and that was it. Uh, And Will Wheaton. What? Oh, yeah, from Stand By Me. Stand By Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So this episode aired on October 20th, 1997. Dave, where were you on October 20th, 1997? I was I was celebrating my 20th birthday the day before. So um, I was yeah probably working at a call center doing sales and hanging out with my girlfriend at the time. So yeah, that one I actually have a frame of reference for. Good times. So... And the rest of us were just doing some nebulous things. Yeah. But the story goes like this. Returning from another successful mission against the Dominion, Captain Sisko is informed that Starfleet Intelligence has discovered a massive Dominion sensor array. It is capable of tracking ship movements over five sectors and cloaked ships within two light years. 
Cisco determines that the only way to destroy the array is to approach it from through a star cluster. However, he will not be commanding the mission. Commander Dax leads the mission and is successful in destroying the array. Meanwhile, Major Kira and others on Terak Nor are successful in spreading distrust between the Cardassians and Dominion by having the Jem'Hadar find Damar's pad in which he outlined a pad in which he outlined a plan to poison the last batches of Ketracel White should they run out. Things nearly reach a head between Weyun and Dukat, who has still not been able to destroy the minefield, until the female changeling arrives. She had become trapped in the Alpha Quadrant and wishes to link with Odo. He learns more about his people. Yeah, Over a does. bottle of Kanar, Damar tells Quark he has found a way to destroy the minefield by using the station's deflector array. They can use an anti-graviton beam to disable the mine's replicator units. Quark relays this information to Kira and Ram, who attempt to destroy the beam. However, the plan depends on Odo running a security diagnostic, disabling the system's alarms, and he is in the middle of linking with the changeling while Ram begins his work. Ram is captured by Damar. Kirk? Kirk. (laughs) Kira confronts Odo, but he merely says that while linked, nothing else matters. So, Odo was kind of a dope in this episode, and, you know... It was one thing when he was doing it for, like, you know, that that uh, good-looking woman who had her brain, you know, wiped clean. But doing it for the female changeling, please. Don't judge. Odo became like a space hippie. Hey, man, make love, not war. You know what it is? It was like he was high. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it it reminded me of, like, Jesse in Breaking Bad after he would, like, do some some meth. Yeah, were they not playing with the idea that um, he was suddenly a bit of an addict and they were playing with the idea that addicted people will sometimes ignore what's going on that's important because of their addictions? I hate to already yeah. move into what they might have done, but they had. No, I'm not saying they might have done. That's that's what they well, were what going for. Yeah, no, but going I was say they originally planned to have Odos become so caught up in the whole thing that he was the one who ended up arresting Ram. Oh, I don't think he'd have come back from that. Yeah, that's it's uh, Odo's original role in this episode was quite different from how it ultimately turned out. In Echevarria's first draft, Odo becomes so involved with the female changeling that he allows his need for order to consume and blind him, and he have actively tr- and he actively tries to end the resistance movement. Indeed, he is the one who arrests Ram. Neither Echevarria or Bear were very happy with this turn in Odo's character, however, and ultimately Echevarria decided to alter the script so that Odo commits a sin of omission, not a sin of commission. Right. He did it all for the nookie. The nookie. Yeah, oh, pretty much. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, that's, that's it's interesting where they were going with it, but I think I think they did make the right choice on that because, like you say, it's hard to come back from that. Uh, and it, as it is, what he did wrong is pretty major, or pretty significant, and you know you, you have a tough time. Much like here, you have a tough time forgiving him for doing that. So I think that I think they made the right choice because if they had gone a step further, you know it could have potentially carried over to his character for the rest of the series. Was it me, or did she have like a lot of stuff in her hair? Her hair was like really freaking way up there and looking pretty hot this episode. Was now that I put. No, Kira. <laughs> oh. just... Her, the changeling's hair looked pretty Odo-like. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot of stuff in there. I like I like the beginning of this one. I like the pre-credit sequence a great deal where Kira oh. and Nogo are watching. I gotta know about that, Andy and Quark. I love that, and then they're actually narrating what's going on, and Nana Vista's just got that sly little smile on her face. <laughs> um, I've been doing a. Um, 
in my spare time, like I have any, I've been doing a rewatch of Angel and like the third ep- episode of the first season when Spike comes comes to L.A. and he's up on a rooftop and he's narrating Angel talking to this girl that he yeah. just saved. <laughs> That's that all I can see by her, Jell. I like it so much. Don't touch the hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I saw because I I had just watched that and then to re rewatch on on this and I was like oh my god this is the same scene yeah it was that was a really good opening and I really <laughs> like uh, I, I really like how Kira's gone through this whole transition for how she approaches her resistance to things you get the idea old Kira would have been planting bombs everywhere and <laughs> shooting them at the first opportunity but this Kira is a lot more subtle and th- that was brilliant I love Nog's little asides at the side that because that's where I left it. <laughs> <laughs> like he, like he's he's so proud of being involved in this that he can't just leave Kira to have a moment. Yep. Oh, how about Demar? He's like, yeah, yeah, I got a plan. Yeah, you know. But my only issue with Demar was he starts talking after only one drink. I don't think he even finishes that one drink. He's a lot no. lightweight. Like, exceptionally lightweight. He takes one sip and then starts spilling his guts. Yeah. No, because... A, when was the last time you had a glass of Canar? I have not had a glass of Canar in a good long time. That is I look at it this way. Get here. Demar is at a position where he can't talk to his buddy Ducat because Ducat's all puffed up about, you know, he's back in charge and he wants his daughter to be back with him, you know, and he's, you know, Demar's been shoved off in the corner and he's not, he's not in, you know, the gleam in Ducat's eye. So he just wants somebody to talk to to brag about, look what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me. I'm, look how awesome I, I am. Yeah. Well, see, I think from the start, Demar was presented as somebody who thought he deserved better. <clears throat> As far as the exactly. respect he got from people. So I think this is totally within character. I don't think he's changed at all. I don't think it has anything to do with, with the, you know, with what's going on with other people. I think he just wants to constantly pat himself on the back all the time, no matter who he's talking to. So it doesn't take too much to, you know, to get him going. And I like, does, is it in this one? Cause I watch both of these together, more or less. Is it in this one? Quark has that scene where he, he's on about, I don't like the Jem'Hadar and I don't like the Cardassians and I want to go back to serving root beer. What is our root beer? Which is a really nice subtle way of getting Quark on their side as well. I think it is, yeah. I think it is this one. Because uh, it is... You, you, throughout the series, they've done a really good job of building up Quark and making him a lot more than you expect him to be. And... Uh, I love his motivations for this. His, his surface motivations. I don't like the Jemadar. I don't like the Cardassians. I want the Federation back. But you know that he's really doing it because he knows it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this because it's after he finds out that the that the wormhole is going to come down after he you know pumps the info from Damar, which you know because that's what leads Rom to being um, <clears throat> caught yeah. in this episode. Yeah, yeah, they all kind of blur together now. Yeah. One of the things I like about this is it's a very rare episode where when somebody who's, I mean, not that Rama is part of the main cast, he is peripheral, but when somebody who's a you know semi-regular on the show gets caught in a situation like that, you very rarely think there's true jeopardy, you know? But here it feels like the stakes are high. It does feel like he's in serious trouble and that, you know, something well, it could, could be happen. Because he's been because he's been an important character, but he hasn't been, like, Nowadays, with the way TV is today, I think Rom would have been executed. Yes, they'd have killed him off. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's why I felt the jeopardy this time, because maybe I'm looking at it through 2019 eyes. 
and I'm seeing it that way. Maybe, if, maybe I, I don't remember back in 1997 uh, what I thought as far as that goes. I might have been bleary-eyed from changing diapers at that point. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think we would have thought that they would have. You know, ah, they're no. not going to kill him off because it was I, a different mindset. No, I didn't think that they would kill him. Whereas nowadays, I think they would have executed him because that they would have, have shot really... him on the spot. Because really, there would yes. be no reason to go through with a long, drawn-out thing. No, they would, they would have, have just executed him. Yeah. There would be no which reason. Would like... have, which in in the modern day TV landscape would have had major ramifications for Odo and Kira's characters. Oh yeah, and that that's why I think they would do it nowadays. Whereas back then, no, I think I don't think they would have gone that far, and they didn't, obviously. And how would Quark treat Odo? Yeah, uh, you know that they would just they, they they would do it just to build up more of a dynamic between the characters or more tension. Yeah. Well, we've, I think we've talked about this before. There is a the, the thing with Star Trek is that it's Star Trek, and there is only so far even the darkest Star Trek, which is what Deep Space Nine was for ages, is, is will go before it isn't Star Trek anymore. And I can't help but think that may be going a little bit over the line into Battlestar Galactica territory. Mm. And if they executed Rum, who would bring us our fruit? <laughs> that's very, that's very Lita. true. Lita would bring our fruit. Well, Lita's milkshake brings all the boys to the earth. And her, well, no, that's next episode. Her high-pitched whines scare all the oh, dogs away. Yeah. Oh, God, that was all. Mm. <laughs> next time. <laughs> Um, but all of that, all of that is the station stuff. Did you buy Odo falling hook, line, sinker, and copy of Angling Times into what the Changeling woman was saying? I didn't buy him falling into what she was saying, but I did buy him once he was, you know, once he link. linked with her, becoming obsessed with it. Once he's had that first taste. Exactly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, see, I liked all of that, and I like that this is the second time this season they've they've been willing to darken Odo up a bit, because we're not that far removed from the Odo that was willing to let an entire colony of people die just to save Kira. Well, they've been darkening him up, like, last season, too, because when he, you know, he had his dark past about, well, I got to maintain order, so, you know, I didn't really investigate these guys as much as I should have, and, uh, yeah, they got killed. Whoops. So, uh, well, bad on me. My bad. My bad, yeah. Uh, <laughs> on the aware, on Space Station Regular 1. <laughs> you mean they flipped over? Yes. Well, it's, oh, it's my space. God, everything's on the ceiling and the floor. No, it's just, there is it was, no up and down in space. Poseidon. It's Station yeah. Poseidon 1. <laughs> well, there's no up or down in space, so they just put the furniture on the roof and no one knows. I don't know. They flipped that thing so many times. I don't know which one is up and down anymore on it. It's Regular 1. It's a Starbase. What the hell is it? There is no up or down in space, Bill. Oh, okay. You got me with artificial gravity. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be disorienting, though, when the ship's docking. You step off and suddenly, poof, you fall to the ceiling. Uh, I, I didn't like the B plot as much as the A plot in this one. Because I, right. I didn't accept that Cisco would accept his promotion without a fight. Because he's, just, okay. he's, he's not happy sat behind a desk. But secondly, we didn't see Dax in command. No, I was disappointed in that. Well, yeah, we just kind of got the tail end of it. Yeah, and I was like... When she was giving the Cisco speech. The episode is called Behind the Lines. I was expecting to see some action set, you know, behind the lines. And we yeah, don't but, get any. But when you're in charge, you don't see what's going on behind the lines. That's true, but we're not in charge. <laughs> we're the audience. True. And I wanted yeah. to see Jadzia in command. I wanted to see her being a captain. Because clearly, by the time we get back 
at the end of the episode, everybody loves her and respects her and thinks she's brilliant. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see Jadzia earn that. I want, I just wanted to see her in command. All right, I got a comment before I forget again because that's the way I am. All right, the opening scene when the chief brings in the the burned out phaser coil and Cisco does the speech. I I could I, I kind of bought it then, but when Jadzia did the same thing, I'm like, oh my god. I just didn't buy her giving that to me. You see this, people? And I'm yeah. I, I just didn't. And it's not because she's a woman. It's no, no, just, no. It's a Cisco speech. Yes, that, that now Dax she's speech. giving. I'm like, no, I'm not buying this from Dax. Yeah, she it just rang so hollow coming from her. Like, yeah, because yeah. all she did was parrot the almost exact. I don't know if it's the exact wordage, but it was the exact tone Hold and everything. So Cisco, oh. after the first time he says it, he says, you know, we've got kind of a, uh, a ceremony going. So right. he makes it clear that this is what they do every time. I understand. And, and they have, what, of like 10 of them lined up? So clearly right. he's given the same speech every time. So, of course, she's going to parrot his words. I don't, okay. I don't think it rang hollow at all, to be honest. Well, you know what rings hollow or is bullshit? The fact that they put those really heavy things leaned against a wall and a ship that goes into battle. I've been on a ship at sea, all right? Nothing is just laying against the wall like that because you, the ship starts turning and rocking and rolling. So, so Bill, when you were on that ship, did they have inertial dampeners? Look, mm-hmm. we no, oh, 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 oh really, uh, yeah, okay. really? No, 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 bullshit. Because we have seen plenty of times people fly across that ship or get knocked down. Those things would have fallen off that wall and rolled around and hurt somebody. There's no way those things are just you leaning against that wall like magnets that. Magnets that are built in. Oh, magnets. What are you? Magnets. Magnets. Magnet. What are you, Stan Lee? They were transistors. <laughs> No, but what I'm saying is that those things would not stay there. They should have been at least strapped to the wall. They would have fallen over, and then no, somebody could right. get hurt. They, they should have been, there should have been something to hold them in place. I agree. I mean, because they, they were so heavy. Them. At least they were acting like they were so heavy. <laughs> Let me put this up here. Uh, yeah, it's going to stay right there. Uh, so what I do like about the shit plot. I do love about the shit plot is O'Brien and Nog. I think the the friendship has been really mm. fun. It's, it's almost like Nog has replaced Bashir. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Bashir, Bashir's become a bit of a tart since we found out that he was uh, genetically engineered and now Chief O'Brien's best met with Nog. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. And I like the little banter between each other as well. I think that's really cool. Because ultimately Nog is going to end up outranking Chief O'Brien. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> well, technically... Technically, next episode he does outrank him because the chief. There's an ensign. There's an ensign outrank. No, technically, yeah, technically yes, because it's his officer. Officer is above enlisted, so technically yes. Right. Chief is not, and he's not an officer. At least, if, you know, his insignia on his collar is not the officer ranks. Yeah, yeah, he's like Thingo, isn't he? He's like um, what was his yeah. name in Galactica? Who did the same job? <clears throat> Tyrrell. Yeah, Chief Tyrrell. Keep my birds flying, Chief. <laughs> Thank you, Edward James almost. So wait, you're telling what? me that O'Brien has been in in, in service long enough. It doesn't it's, matter. It doesn't matter. A- it there there is still the aspect of respect that you get, but if you go by rank, an ensign does outrank like yeah. in the Navy, an ensign outranks a master chief or a my senior grand, chief. My granddad was Chief Terrell or Chief O'Brien, oh. that's what he was. And he went in purely to do the traveling, and he got in on his ability to fix engines. Essentially, he, is, he was Chief O'Brien, but he has no rank. He gets a decent pension out of it, but he doesn't. Yeah. He never had a rank. 
you know, if, and, I, if I understood Bill correctly, if you go by the book, hours will feel like days. <laughs> no, yeah. that's only when you listen to our show. Oh. No, but you, you know, and other, where other things happen in, like, in other conflicts, a, like a, say, in the, in battle, you may have a young ensign who tells the, okay, we're going to do this, and the enlisted person would think this is stupid, and know it's stupid, and you're going to get us all killed, and, you know, sometimes friendly fire could happen, and suddenly that guy's not in charge anymore. <clears throat> I'm not saying that ever happened. Didn't happen when I, anywhere I was. All this. So yes, I just so realized, I went looking for this. So O'Brien, when he first appears in Next Gen, he has two pips. He's lieutenant. Yes. And somehow yeah, they yeah, disappear. Yeah. I just, I yeah, never thought yeah, on me that, yeah. Just ignore that. Just don't pay any attention to that. It does not make any sense with the Deep Space Nine's continuity. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. It is indeed. And if he's also just an enlisted guy who's good at fixing shit, why is he piloting the ship in a counter at far point? Well, sometimes you do have, like on my ship, we had a... Um, there are sometimes, uh, we had a, we had a guy that was a chief and he went from chief to ensign because you can, you can apply and you can, you know, cross over. Yeah, and you, he, can, you can go through the, yeah. the thing that becomes. So he, he, he went from a relatively high, um, you know, to the upper tier enlisted and then went to the lowest officer rank. It's, it's, so it's, so why would O'Brien do that the other way around? Why yeah, would he go from being an officer to being enlisted? Well, why that doesn't he do really that? make any sense there. You know? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's that's really not a good career move. I'm going to be an officer. Wait, I want to be. Well, know, well, does anyone give a shit about their career in Star Trek? Because well, yeah, if we go off all... Bashir's dad, they can do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> uh, it's all hyperboil. Son yeah. of a bitch. That means Wesley Crusher outranked O'Brien? Yes. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I don't know. I don't know if acting ensign. <laughs> yeah, but he ended up being a proper ensign by series three or I mean, four or whatever it was, didn't he? So, uh, another an thing I loved about, by then. Yes. Uh, the other thing I loved about this episode was um, was Kira and Odo, and I love how Odo goes all zen after he's shagged what's the name for the first time. Like he's he's suddenly Wait, become very. Wait, did they shag in this one or shag? Well, well, I mean, you just you mean just the meld. I mean, because yeah. they actually do a three day bender in the next episode. <laughs> yes, Spoiler. they do. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's, it, I think it's clearly sexual because I think it was. I was watching it with Angela, and Angela said, "So they're having full frontal nude sex on television." And, well, and it was that this became the conversation about, well, yeah, well, when they stroke the Ferengi's ears, they're wanking each other off on television. Star Trek was a very, very sexy show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we're, if we're blending the episodes because the two do kind of run into each other very easily, and we did watch them both. But they do talk about how the physical act of sexual relations pales compared to the link. Yeah, that's they, do, the they apparently do both. Mm. Well, because yeah. you have that awkward thing to where she's sitting on the. Well, you know, we're getting into the next episode, so we'll 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 talk about it then. Anybody want any fruit? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I, I like. What do you think of Kira being the one saying to him, "She's lied to you. I don't trust her." Is Kira not making all this about her and how it's going to interfere with the resistance movement rather than she gives a shit about what Ordo's going through? Because we know she's very single-minded. Oh, yeah, but as, you know, being in a resistance cell in the past, you know, you can't let one person is basically going to bring down the whole cell. I mean, I yes. see her point. I don't think she's being selfish and saying, well, you know, I don't – well – I think she's looking out more for the whole thing and say, you know, Odo, we don't have time for your shit. Get your act together, man. Right. Especially somebody who is as important to them as he is. Yeah. So one of the big thoughts I went away with 
as we're, what, five episodes into this season? Uh, four, I'm sorry. Four episodes into the season, and we have gone, I mean, what are the, the season's 22 episodes. By the time this is done, we will have gone six episodes outside of the normal status quo. I know it's Andy's mm-hmm. favorite word, status quo. Say it with me. Yep. And I don't think any other Star Trek show could do this. You never saw that on Next Gen, because even after Best of Both Worlds, when you've you know pretty much jacked everything up, Picard's back in action by the third episode in. Mm. And, it, and it's it's normal status quo moving forward. And Voyager never left status quo. Yeah. So and also stuff stuff like Picard being captured and tortured by the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. Next episode down the line is perfectly fine. Yeah. And it's, it's Star Trek. I think that's why Deep Space Nine has become more appreciated now in the era of Netflix and streaming and binge watching. It's the one that you can happily just binge I could have watched all six of these back-to-back, these six opening episodes, which are essentially one long story. Mm-hmm. You could happily just let these play, all six of these play on as one big story. And I think that's why it works better, perhaps, now than, than Voyager does. Well, I mean, you've got... Or just because it's better. Maybe. Oh, well, yes, yes, it is undeniably better. Better characters, but... better actors, better stories. I would think that's why it worked. Better. But Voyager never had the balls to split up its cast the way this does. You have this faction over here, that faction there, Worf's on the Klingon ship, and it's exciting. It's new. It's different. I know it's yeah. older at this point, but it's still pretty darn compelling. Yeah, because you, you've got a, a series of episodes here where Kira and Cisco haven't worked together for, for, for pretty much the entire run. Mm-hmm. Cisco hasn't even set foot on Deep Space Nine this season yet. Nope. Mm. I think they could have they could have done an easily done a full season in this way, and it's yeah. it wouldn't have lost anything. No, yeah, they could have told this story over a longer period of time for sure. But if you, you remember that at the time that they were doing this, this was new, yeah, and they were they were fighting Rick Berman every step of the way to actually do this. Yeah, I and don't think this would have worked worked as well back then as it would now. Mm. Well, now the season long you know story arc is is a common thing on television back then it really was kind of innovative the only time you saw an ongoing story like that on a primetime dramatic show was on the nighttime soap operas like dallas and you know dynasty knots landing those shows you didn't really I, i can't think of any examples of any shows of that era that had the continuing plot line like this does hell street blues did it that still seemed to me to be more episodic was that I'm I'm only going I've not seen Hill Street for years. No, nor have but, I, but I, I still remember it as being more episodic. Hmm. LA Law? Saint no, definitely not. There was there were ongoing plot Night Rider? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Night Rider had ongoing plot lines. How, how L- many L- books had will David Hasselhoff plot. not fasten up this year? Hey man, Kit had the fight car and that big black truck plenty of times. Twice. He fought car twice. He fought the truck twice. Yes. It, but this isn't a Night Rider podcast. Yes. Which is a shame. Yeah. Give it time. <laughs> oh, it's, that, it's a shame that it's not a Night Rider podcast. But but if we did a Terry Thomas podcast, you'd be gone. <laughs> Where are your priorities, Leyland? Manimal. Uh, oh, I don't have any, to be honest with you. Manimal. Do you know, do you know yeah, who we want, to, we want to throw a, a mention out of as well? Damar. Damar is absolutely brilliant in this episode. It, is this the one he gets his ass kicked or is that next time? <laughs> That's next time. Okay. Never mind. But I'm, I'm really liking Demar. I think um, him and Ducat are such a wonderfully slimy team in the sense that you kind of get the impression they both do like each other, but they'd stab each other in the back at the first available opportunity. Yeah, but you know Demar likes Ducat a lot more than Ducat likes Demar, if you know what I'm saying. Mm, no, I yeah, think, think, think Demar likes Ducat because he sees him as his... You're a great yeah. man! He's like, like we said before, it's Mr. Burns and Smithers. Yes. <laughs> 
But I think they're both opportunists who are going to grab power at any time they get a chance, and they really don't care who they hurt in the process. So I think either one of them would throw the under the other under the bus in a heartbeat. Yeah, I totally believe that to be true as well. We hold these truths to be self-evident. <laughs> but then again, I mean, I think Andy would throw Bill under the bus at any given moment, or I would throw yeah, Bill would. under the bus at any given moment. Or Why both. do I have to go under the bus? I would not throw because I, I have the best the chance of stopping it because I'm so big. Or, or... I would pull you out of the way of the bus, Bill. Thanks, Andy. I would drive the bus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no doubt there. I would say, hold him on the ground. I'm getting in the starting the engine. Dave, hold him down. Tie his shoes together. He can't reach his feet. Well, well hold him down. Pull him out the way. I'd pull him out the way, and then me and Bill would jump on the back of the bus, and then we'd climb up the side of it like in Indiana Jones. Bill could go underneath it, like with his bullwhip, and then we'd have to fight in the cabin. It'd all be very exciting. Of course, by the time you get to the back of it, Bill is already like dust. <laughs> Yeah, there's me hanging on the side of the bus and Bill. Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Why, I order. My bull whip broke. Sorry, Andy. He's only Guess rated I'm on, 500 pounds. Yes, I'm relying on Dave. <laughs> so, the Argolis Cluster. Anybody re- recognize that name? What does it uh, say again? The Argolis Cluster? Was no. it in an episode of Next Generation? Yes, it was. Was that right. where they hit okay. from the board? That's where they found Hugh. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I knew I remembered the name from somewhere. I couldn't have told you what episode it was. I, so thought, it was it was, I thought it was from that episode where where Worf went through the time thing and with the multiple universes, and they kept going to that one array, and they were, like, blowing it up, or he was seeing Cardassian, you know, that, where Worf was, like, jumping around, coming unstuck in different... Um, when he came back from the, uh, uh, came back from the back left t- tournament, and I got this place and blah blah. But remember, he's on the shuttle, and he passed through like some quantum fissure. Cause and, and effect, was, isn't it? Yeah. No, 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 no. no, he's, no. he's married to Deanna. Yes, no. uh, he's seeing all these different futures or these different realities, and that, and I think that's the one where like the, the, you know showed showed this big array, and, and I thought that's what it was, which just made, made me go research the fair. I'm like, I know I've heard this name, and that's when it's from, though. It's from uh, Hugh. I Hugh or I Borg or whatever. I Borg. I Borg. I Borg. I Bill. You Paul. I Dave. I need things to make us go. <laughs> Just like Gowron. Why don't you beam over? Wait, that's that that's an inside joke that nobody else knows about. Gowron so, knows. So should we should we rank this? Because we seem to be wandering quite a bit this time. <laughs> Gowron knows it breaks the fourth wall. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, we'll 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 rate it now. Um I really enjoyed this. But when I pull myself back from it, it did feel a little bit meandering because of the fact that it doesn't have a beginning, middle, or end to it. Well, it's all middle, actually. Um, I think they were still perfecting this storytelling method at this point. I think it's really well done. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it could have been just a little bit tighter. So while I want to give it really a top, top rating, uh, I think I'm going to give it a four out of five instead of a four and a half or a five because... Like I said, I really enjoyed it, but I don't think it's quite up there at that level. Uh, I'm going to go four as well, uh, largely for different reasons, uh, in the sense that I, I did kind of feel it had an ending, but it was an ending that led the way straight into the next one with, with um, Nog being captured. Is he Nog? Rom. 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 Rom being captured, yeah. I'm Just remember Lady Gaga. Rom, 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 Rom. <laughs> Very good. Um, but my disappointment with it was we didn't get to see Jadzia in command. Uh, I, I wanted to see that subplot. I wonder if that's been expanded upon in the novel for this. 
if they do actually allow us to see Jadzia in Command of the Defiant. Um, so because of that, it gets four. But all the station stuff is brilliant. I love all the station stuff. I'm going to be that um, guy. Oh, go ahead, Bill. Uh, um, yeah, four, four is about as high as I can give this. I mean, and we didn't really talk much about how um, Cisco is... I mean, we touched on it briefly, very briefly, about how Cisco is basically stuck behind and now he's in a higher position and you know he's no longer the captain uh, he's got to deal with sending pe- pe- people off that may die by his decisions i mean he kind of did that before but on a smaller scale not scale but now there's a much larger consequences that can come from his decisions um but uh oh and one other thing i wanted to note uh, did you guys notice that weird artwork that's on the walls in their office did somebody like weld two spatulas together was it like make a you know like Make something for your dad day on the station. and I, I mean, on uh, regular one slash Starbase 375. I don't have to explain my art to you, Warren. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to give it uh, four uh, spatula sculpture. Maybe it was a spatula messiah made that. Oh, oh. tissum tissum. Mm. So now I'm going to feel bad, but not too bad. I can only really give this a three. I'll go 3.5. Because much like Andy said, I wanted to see Jadzia and, and, and watch that development happen, and we didn't. So the speech at the end wasn't earned. Um, it, and as Paul said, it's, it's meandering. There's a lot of good stuff here. I like that we're breaking the status quo and that you're seeing characters become something more than they have been before. But you don't see as much of that as, you, as you're as you told. So some of that took away quite a bit. And that the pacing was a little bit off on the episode. So it was a little bit frustrating to watch. But still, I mean, at the end of the day, 3 is a pretty solid rating. It's, it's an above average episode by, by any means. Why'd you hate the episode, Dave? I didn't hate the episode. If I hated the episode, it'd be below 2.5. <clears throat> I just think after, I mean, contextually, and this, we got a six-part, you know, series, so we can put it in context. This is sort of a... A middling, uh, meandering middle chapter where we've got to start moving things towards the finale of this little story arc, but we don't have to do it too fast. And I think that kind of suffered because it could have been if it if it had been longer as far as a story arc or shorter, this could have been much much more streamlined and more I don't know more focused. I guess would be the word I'd look for. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. I just don't hold. I think it, it took a little bit more off the rating for you than it did for me. I think that's the only difference. But yeah. I think our analysis is similar. Yeah. So now that we've rated it, the question would be, what does Blaine say? Well, Anyone have a song for me? Well, yes, yes, I do. And this week's What Does Blaine Say uh, intro will be sung to the tune of Paul McCartney's No More Lonely Nights. What does Blaine say? What does Blaine say? What does Blaine say? We're gonna find out now from Paul Spataro. There you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you would like a certain song to be sung by Dr. Bill, by the time we get this email, this show will be over. So, bye-bye. The show won't be over yet. No, no the whole show will be over by the time we get... Whatever. Just read the damn email. I don't know if I, if I respond well to such... The doggy is nibbling my feet. <laughs> <laughs> Such is, is that a euphemism? Manimal. Sorry. The dog is meddling my feet. <laughs> well, Blaine says, Hi, guys. I really want to hate this episode because of the direction they take Odo. It's well made and well acted, but I think he, he gets too distracted too quickly. I'm using my own headcanon to say that the female changeling had more influence over his thoughts than he realized during the link, and she suppressed his desire to help Ram and the others. She even states at one point that getting Odo to rejoin the Link 
is more important than the Alpha Quadrant. So she may have learned of his involvement with the Resistance and not intervened to test her influence over him and make sure she really could have this kind of effect. Of course, I can't hate the episode. How can I? With great steps it takes for Quark. He's been trying to keep his head down, preferring to run than fight when the going gets tough, but he recognizes the importance of the Federation staying in power. It's entirely his choice to get DeMar drunk to gain the intelligence he knows the Resistance needs. Consistently good stuff, Blaine. I like I like Blaine's headcanon in it, but I can't <laughs> I can't sign off on that. That somehow is reality. I'm going to run with it. It's the only thing that really makes sense in this one. No, I'm just going with the fact that, that he's just so overwhelmed by the link you know what i'm, I'm picturing you know how I've, I've already made the uh the comparison of odo to a high school student so i'm thinking like a high school student the first time he goes out drinking or a high school student the first time he has sexual relations um and then dumps you know, his friends and yeah know. that he just becomes obsessed with it and, and can't even think right i i see odo as you know far more intelligent than an adolescent but emotionally i see him as an adolescent and I think he just becomes, like, overwhelmed and, and can't think straight. He's thinking with little Odo. Yeah, maybe I'm giving him too much too much credit. I'm giving him too much? Or no, not I am. I, do, I think I give Odo too much credit. When you point that out, I'm like, yeah, he's kind of right. Paul's not wrong. This well, I think that should be the name of the show. <laughs> Paul's not wrong in our little podcast. That was Charles in charge. I, I kind of felt the need to have to tell you that. <laughs> I wouldn't have realized it was Charles in charge, but as soon as you pointed it out, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I recognize that. I want Paul in charge of me. Well, so is, I have to be he? on a show with Willie Ames mm-hmm. now? Yeah, I'm, I'm Jennifer what's her first. Yeah. Whatever she was. The girl from the beginning of Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Your yeah. Runyon. Jennifer Runyon. That was her name. She's in the first Quantum Leap as well. She's a star, baby. She is. <laughs> All right. So do we have anything more on this? Uh, did, I don't think we have any other email. <laughs> so... In that okay, case, yeah. manimal. <laughs> <laughs> Auto man. Ooh. Next time on our all new episode of Listen to the Prophets, we'll be discussing the canon of Glenn A. Larson, Auto Man versus Manimal. No, we're not. We're, we're going to conclude. No, we're not. We're almost concluded this story arc with Favor the Bull. The war is escalating. We need a victory. A big victory. The Federation is losing the fight. Those Dominion reinforcements come through the wormhole, we'll have lost everything. The apocalypse is drawing near. One week and the Alpha Quadrant is ours. Now the galaxy's only hope. We've run out of time, Admiral. Could be Cisco's last stand. We're going to retake Deep Space Nine. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah, we are certainly not concluding it. <laughs> Almost there. Lost time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Manimal. <laughs> also, man. <laughs> Night Rider. A shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. Listen to the prophets. A Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. 
Okay, so I have the first <laughs> one, and Andy, you have the second one. Well, bugger me. <laughs> no, no, because I think I know what that means. Well, in, in the United States, that would mean cover him in snot. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it means... That's not what it means. Think it, here, here, here in the States, but, here. but then we're too preoccupied with bosoms to notice. <laughs> <laughs> Bosoms and Buggery, a Terry Thomas podcast. Yeah, there you go. How many movies was he in? Can we do a podcast? No. no. <laughs> I can't believe you're seriously entertaining the idea. Right. Just, Hold I mean, on. There, there are so many niche podcasts. Could you imagine doing a Terry Thomas podcast? 